Cornflakes, now fortified with essential vitamins and minerals. Nourishing goodness anytime. Welcome again to the NASCO Moments radio talk show. Glad you could join us again. Whenever our focus is drawn to issues of the environment, that is one thing we particularly take very seriously. So on today's episode of the show, we would like to draw your attention to issues of public health. Stay tuned. Once again, this is the Nasco Moments radio talk show and I'm your host, Hudun Gang. As we continue our series on the environment, we'd like to take a close look at a public health issue that has become a recurrent trend, whether you reside in the rural or urban center. We have in the studio today a consultant public health physician at Juice to give us a broad look at issues of public health in our environment. Dr. Chundu Mwaina, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. Uh, primary health care, which is the basic day-to-day health care provided chiefly by local government authorities through community hospitals or dispensaries, appears to have been somewhat crippled over the years for a number of reasons. In your own assessment, what are some of the major contributing factors to the poor state of primary health as we have it today? Well, um, when you look at primary health care, in terms of the planning for how it's supposed to be implemented, I think there are some issues with that right from the onset. And one of the problems that I think we have is the fact that the primary health care is actually managed in terms of administrative uh, form by the local governments. But then funding, uh, technical assistance, training is handled by the federal and the state governments. So you find that sometimes um, one or the other doesn't meet up with their responsibilities. So there seems to be a lapse in terms of the implementation of primary health care. Of course, funding comes from the federal and state. So whenever there's a lack of funding, which I think is one of the major issues there, um, as a country, we don't spend much on health. And uh, when you consider that the local government being the, the last or the lowest um, cadre of government doesn't get enough funding, of course, they're struggling with healthcare issues, they're struggling with other issues, so they may not also allocate enough to um, primary healthcare. Then one of the other areas is the area of human resources. We find that um, the human resources, the distribution of resources is not equitable. You find that more of the urban areas tend to have um, more healthcare workers than to the rural areas. So you find that you can go to a rural health center and you just find one staff. How does he cater for, he's supposed to cater for close to 10,000 people. How do you expect one person to cater for such things? Of course, we have issues with equipment in the health centers. You find that they are either dealing with obsolete equipment or they're dealing with equipment that um, were really, are not really up to date. And then, of course, drugs. Um, we have an issue with drugs. Is either they're not available or even those that are available are not, um, either they've expired or they're not potent. So you find that people aren't satisfied when they get to the health centers. And another critical issue is the referral system, which is a system that is it's a two-way system where you refer patients. They're supposed to, to go through a chain, through the primary health care centers to the secondary and then 
went to the tertiary. But a situation where um, people skip these systems, you know, it causes problems for the other systems because here we find that um, cases that should be handled at the primary healthcare centers, probably due to the other issues, they jump to either the state or the tertiary. In fact, mostly they jump to the tertiary level. So cases that should be handled at the primary healthcare center now end up at the levels where they shouldn't end up. It seems to me like most of the problems are caused by lack of funding or rather poor funding. Do you think if we have very good funding, maybe government um, in the budget plans and allocates much more money to health, do you think we would have more workers in the rural areas if there's proper funding? Well, it depends on how the funds are used. Um, to be honest with you, I think that we have a problem with priorities when it comes to um, allocating what is important and what is not. It doesn't make sense to build a health facility and then you can't cater for the staff because you find that we have subsequent, we have uh, previous governments that have, you know, put in a lot of uh, money in building the healthcare centers, but they're not equipping uh, the place with the manpower. Um, there, I know someone who once said that uh, you could, you know, you could teach children under a tree. You don't need the building, and I think it's the same thing with healthcare. You find that um, if you don't have trained personnel, you don't have enough, and you don't make them um, comfortable where they are. They tend to stay. To, they tend to stay there less. They are not ready to stay where they're expected to. Okay. Primary healthcare providers serve as the first contact for patients needing care within our localities. And if need be, they also coordinate other specialist care that patients may need, depending on the nature or severity of their health condition. So in administrating this role, what kind of interventions are currently required for efficient running of our primary health care centers? Well, I think um, first and foremost, I think we would need to train and re retrain and reorient our primary health care uh, workers. Um, I'm not saying they're not doing a good job. But I think we've reached a stage where some of them, probably due to um, the lack of uh, facilities where they are, they've taken on roles that actually aren't theirs. And you find out that patients are being mismanaged at that level because people who shouldn't be handling their situation are handling them. And you know I mentioned the referral system earlier. Because the referral system doesn't work the way it should, you find that um, People don't go to where they're supposed to get to to go to to get the care that they need. If a case is beyond the primary healthcare center, it's supposed to be referred. And once it's managed, um, if possible, they should be returned to their communities because the primary healthcare center should be working with at the community level and you know for continuing uh, management and care. But a situation where they take on rules that they are not supposed to, it causes problems for uh, the system. Another thing that um, seems to be dying off is the health committees that. We should have in communities because the health committees should work with the primary health care units to be able to uh, fund what is going on there to be able to um, evaluate what is going on and actually talk to the primary health care workers and find out what is actually um, you know going wrong if there are issues they should work with the community to solve uh, such issues so if that is not there you, many of the committees have collapsed they're not functional anymore and I think some of them feel that they're not even relevant so they of course abandon their uh, abandon their duties another thing is reorientation of the citizens we find out that the population um, we don't really know what we're supposed to do. Um, we, I, I am ill, and the first thing I do is to go to youth. 
um, where while there's a primary healthcare center right next to my door, and I mean it might be just be simple malaria. So we overburden the tertiary institutions, and you find that the primary healthcare institutions lack of trust. Are left even though there's need for more enlightenment and education of the populace in this regard. Uh, very briefly before we go on break, do you think we need more primary healthcare centers? Yes, I think we do. But more importantly, we need to distribute them equitably. They should be in the right places. You find that there are some health centers that are right in the middle of nowhere and people just ignore them because they, you know, it's like they can't see why they should walk so far okay. to go to such places. Okay. Uh, we'll come back um, to talk more about public health. This is still the NASCO Moments radio talk show. Please don't go away. Cube Sugar is your favorite choice sweetener made from natural sugar cane. It is a sweet flavor and provides energy. It can be used in tea, coffee, pap, conflicts, and a variety of beverages. Nasco Cube Sugar can be taken by anyone at any time of the day. Nasco Cube Sugar is fortified with vitamin A and liquefies very fast. Nasco Cube Sugar. Mmm, for that sweet taste. Nasco Nasco Cube Sugar, another quality product from Nasco. This is the Nasco Moments radio talk show. Thank you for staying tuned. Our focus today is on public health, and Dr. Chundung Miner, a consultant public health physician at Juth, is here with us. Um, among other things, public health is concerned with prevention, detection, and control of infectious diseases. So as one who specializes in public health, how would you rate the state of preventive health services in the state as a function of the Ministry of Health? Well, I would say they are trying. I wouldn't say they're not doing anything at all. Uh, they are trying and, um, you know, would you know, rate them, you know, high. But on the other hand, there, I think what is happening is that there's a focus on some areas and then there's a focus, you know, lack of focus in some other areas. I think I'll highlight the ones that they're not focusing on. One of them is environmental health. And um, we find that, uh, you know, environmental health impinges a lot on the health of the populace. You find that there's poor water supply. You find there's poor sewage and solid waste uh, disposal. We're not monitoring food vendors. So you find that food sanitation is a problem. The control of vectors is also a problem. So basically, the environmental health issues are not being tackled at the level at which I would have wanted as a public health physician. Um, take the issue of water supply. Portable water, you know, it's not accessible to many parts of uh, the populace. Most people actually depend on wells and uh, boreholes for uh, for their water. And then when you talk of maternal and child health services, I think that's one area that they've tried to uh, focus on. But as I said, um, public health, you know, we deal with communities and with the health um, healthcare workers. So you find that if um, there's no reorientation. So when you talk of health education for the populace, uh, that I think I think there's a defect somewhere in terms of um, the edu educating of the populace because they seem the efforts are being made, but they don't seem to appreciate these efforts, and they're not working with the federal government to help them achieve the aims that they have set. 
Okay, you, you talked about the environment and uh, that brings us to an immediate health concern that we have right now, which is cholera. It has been a recurrent epidemic in Nigeria. Plateau State seems to feature frequently uh, when there are such outbreaks, unfortunately. In 2013, the federal government reported an outbreak of cholera in Plateau State in Namu, in Kwanpan, which recorded at least 11 deaths. In 2014, there was another outbreak in parts of Basa, which sickened at least 100 people. Now, this is 2015, and we are still recording rising cases of cholera in the state. Could you help us understand the nature of this disease, which in recent years seems to be a recurrent epidemic in the state? Okay, cholera is a disease that um, is caused by a bacterium known as Vibrio cholerae and its trans mode of transmission is what is known as fecal-oral, meaning that it's passed, on in, it's passed out in feces from the body of one who is contaminated and gets into another person either through contact with water or food. So when we ingest such contaminated items, um, you can contract uh, cholera. Cholera is also associated with poor sanitary environments and it tends to be common among the so issue, uh, socioeconomic uh, groups, but the two are actually linked because you tend to find that those who of the lower socioeconomic groups can't afford, um, you know, water and um, good sanitary services. So they tend to be the ones that are easily affected. I'm not saying that the higher socioeconomic groups can't be affected. They can also, but it tends to be common among the lower socioeconomic groups. Another thing is because of its ease of transmission, being that it's from um, food and water, it easily spreads uh, once it's uh, started. And once you come down with the symptoms, um, death or you could either go you could go either way death or recovery is actually um, very quick if there's no quick uh, intervention uh, one of the problems with um, the state is that uh, if you don't because it's um, it's transmitted through fecal matter and we, we have issues in this state where you have find there's a high rate of open defecation you find people building how building houses without toilets so when the rains come the, the rains pick up these uh, fecal matters and deposit them into our water sources. I've said earlier that the boreholes and the wells are our main sources of uh, water. And of course, we have broken pipes, uh, even if the water is coming from the water board. And they, they easily get infected, and hence the rapid spread of the disease once the epidemic starts. Mm. Now, it's, 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 it's scary when you <laughs> listen to all this, the rainy season taking this and... Uh, making it quite a problem. Given the extent of the environmental pollution we have witnessed recently and the fact that we are in the rainy season right now, just how bad a problem do we have in our hands? In fact, I think we have a really bad problem this time around and that's because of the strike that took place. Um, everywhere you go in Plateau State now, there's accumulation of uh, waste and we do know that many of these waste dumps serve as an area for sewage disposal for some people. They think it's an easy place to go and uh, pass feces. And we remember that apart from um, it being carried into water bodies, we have flies. They are regarded as vectors. They also pick up this fecal matter and transmit them into our homes. You can't contain the flies, you know, you can't ask them where they came from. So um, that, that helps to um, worsen it. So I'm actually expecting that there is likely to be, you know, quite a very bad situation this year unless we do something about it. And it's very important that people, honestly, it seems more education is needed at this point. And we understand that um, anyone can get cholera, you've said, but I understand that infants, children and the elderly are more likely to die from this disease because they become dehydrated faster than other adults. Why is this so? 
Well, they well, for children anyway, they tend to have a higher um, water content actually compared to the tissue content. So when the when cholera starts, the tissues they don't have sufficient amount of tissue to retain water, and they're already you know more. There's a higher water content, so they lose uh, most of it, and their system also is not able to cope um, quickly with the change um, in the law with the loss of fluids so you know that uh, tends to affect them of course for the elderly uh, due to age they also can't um, their body doesn't their body is not able to adjust fast enough so because of that they are the two the two extremes of age tend to be affected more we will just have to stop at this point. Uh, there's so much more to talk about, and if you're interested, please join us after the break. This is the NASCO Moments Radio Talk Show. Ever since I discovered the secret of Brightex white detergent, my clothes come fresh, bright and clean always. It's mild on clothes and good for my washing machine. Thank you, Brightex. Brightex detergent cleans dip stains and dirt from your clothes, keeping it fresh and bright so your clothes don't fade. It lasts longer. Brightex white detergent, a quality product from NASCO. Take the Brightex advantage today and keep your clothes fresh, bright and clean. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. This is the NASCO Moments radio talk show. Our discussion today has been on public health and Dr. Tundung Miner, a consultant public health physician at Juth, has been shedding some light on this. Now, before we went on break, we were talking about cholera and I'd like us to round up on that before we come back to more issues of public health and primary health care. Um... WHO, the World Health Organization, estimates that during any cholera epidemic, approximately 0.2 to 1% of the local population will contract the disease. In our own case, we are looking at anything from 500 people and above. So uh, have we ever had an outbreak that registered this um, number of people before? Actually, we have. Uh, last year, um, the cholera outbreak affected four local government areas, and we had close to about 700 cases. And I hope it doesn't get much worse this this time round. Okay, coming back to uh, issues of primary health care. Like we started earlier on, primary health care is clearly the responsibility of government at all levels in our country. And given that rural dwellers are usually affected by epidemics such as cholera, like you said earlier, owing mostly to ignorance, what would be an effective means of enlightenment? to educate rural dwellers as well as the general public on basic preventive measures. Okay, um, maybe I'll, I'll talk on one that will be quicker and then one that will be more effective. Okay. Um, in terms of um, speed of getting information across, usually we say the radio or the mass media, um, but it's specifically the radio because most people listen to the radio even if you know when they're at work when they're mobile because they're easy it's easy for you to carry that around so the the mass media tends tends to be the easier um, way and the fastest way to get information across. Of course, the other issue is if you're getting information across, it's better if it's in the local language that people understand. Here in Plateau State, we tend to give messages either in English or Hausa, but I've been to communities where they speak neither of those two languages. So if you don't 
um, transmit that information in the language that the person speaks. It's as good as wasted um, information. And that is where the uh, primary healthcare centers come into play. Um, they are likely to be more effective in that way because they can um, interact with the communities in which they are involved in. They live in the communities. Uh, ideally, it should be people who are from those communities, so they should be able to speak the local language so they can be used to actually communicate the, inf the information that needs to be transmitted. Okay, especially in urgent matters such yes. as uh, cholera and the way it can spread easily. Can public health policy help in this cause if we can get local politicians, civil servants, and local governments, and all these people in the local areas who benefit from primary health care to get more involved in influencing policy about primary health care and how it affects uh, the populace? Yes, the issue of political will um, bears a very you know, important weight when it comes to uh, public health issues. If you have a government or policymakers who are not interested um, in health issues, it's definitely going to uh, suffer. So you find that um, we need, um, you know, pressure groups who will work with policymakers to be able to come up with policies, and not just to come up with the policies, but to make sure that they are implemented. Um, a typical example is uh, the immunization policy that was brought about by Professor Ransom Kuti years back. It was political will. If he didn't have the interest, I mean, nothing would have been done. More closer to home was the Ebola outbreak that we had um, last year. If the, you know, if the government had not put in the amount of resources. Uh, financially in terms of manpower I think maybe we would have been say, you know, saying a different thing. The story would have been different today. So political will is definitely an important issue. Okay. Um, lastly, what are some of the basic preventive measures that could be taken to uh, stem the spread of this disease? Okay, um, in terms of cholera, you know, water is one of the main um, issues. So what you can do is to sanitize our water. And you can do this mainly by either boiling. People complain of boiling because it tends to be expensive. You need firewood or you need um, light or, you know, gas. So if you can't do that, you can disinfect the water. Many people are familiar with water guard. So that can be used to quickly disinfect um, the water. Within 30 minutes, you could be your, your able to drink uh, the water. Also, the water that we use to wash fresh fruits and vegetables and for our general cooking and washing of utensils should also be clean water, water that has been uh, disinfected. If you disinfect your food but then your utensils still carry um, the, the organism, of course, it means that you're likely to transmit uh, the disease. So how best do you disinfect your water before you wash your utensils or cook your food? No, the idea is to use clean water, which means you probably have to disinfect all the water that you're going you're going to use that, um, any water that, any equipment that has to do with cooking, mm. you'll have to use clean water. Of course, it means spending a little more mm. because it means that you have to disinfect a larger quantity of water. Mm. And then, as I said, it's um, transmitted in feces. So if we can handle with a proper sewage disposal, use a toilet when you're supposed to use a toilet, not that um, you uh, defecate in the open or, you know, or, you know, into the gutters, you know, and places like that, uh, that should be handled. Then um, I think in the long term, uh, we need to look at how we construct our wells, how we sink our boreholes. The siting is important and making sure that um, they are constructed in, you know, there's what we call protected wells and they should be constructed in, in that manner so that that can protect our water sources. Okay, so if you're building a house, uh, you should know exactly where to site your well, separate so that it will not be, you don't have anything from your um, 
what do you call your septic tank yes. seeping in, in to yes. your well okay well contaminated well and stream water are the major sources of this disease and contamination usually occurs when human feces from diseased persons seeps into the water supply we've just said affected states are said not to be doing enough in making safe water available for their people many of whom live in rural areas do you think we have a bigger problem in the rural areas than in the urban areas? Um, that depends. Uh, the rural areas, you go to some rural areas and they actually have running water. And you come to some of the urban areas and you know you can't get a drop of water from the tap. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just make a general statement and oh. say the rural areas um, are better. Okay. Uh, the other thing is that the rural areas, um, they tend to get from wells, you know, from streams and things like that. And um, depending on where they're sourcing the drinking water, okay. so, you know, that affects it. Okay. Um, we seem to have uh, been failing on the MDGs because the failure of target 7C of the MDGs says that by 2015, the proportion of people without sustainable access to safe drinking water and basic sanitation in both rural and urban areas should have been reduced by half. All we can do is to encourage the ministries of health and environment to act a lot more proactively to see that we find more sustainable ways of guarding against this so-called recurrent epidemic. Dr. Chunumaina, it's been very interesting having you here in our studio sharing your thoughts. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This is where we wrap up today's episode of the show. Remember, you can follow us at www.facebook.com slash NASCO group. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at NASCO group. The NASCO Moments radio talk show has been brought to you by NASCO and was created by Unimark Limited Marketing Communications Consultants. Executive Producers, NASCO Marketing Department. Producers, Harun Audu and Joshua Tongwan. I'm Hudun Gyan. Join us again next week. Shall be see the shine <laughs> and now don't fit. How manage ah, my sister? Now, bright text white detergent. Oh, bright text detergent, not the fade cloth at all at all. And in the wash cloth clean well, well, it gets power to come out all the yama yama stain and dirty no matter how it be. You not go chop and soap? No, you know the chop and do. I need good for washing machine too. Eh, hmm. Mama Shakara, me too. Now, bright text detergent, I go to use to wash all my clothes now so that I go to shine, shine and scent, scent and make Shakara like you. So, <laughs> Brightex White Detergent, a quality product from NASCO. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash.